Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 176 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Well, if you like talking about Virginia Tech football, this is the show for you today. A lot of hokey football talk as we continue to preview position groups moving forward and getting ready for the 2021 Virginia Tech football season. Today, we will preview the linebackers, defensive backs, and special teams. Plus, the injury to Changa Hodge. He will miss the 2021 season. What does that mean for the receiving core? And a little bit later... Coach Mike Young and Virginia Tech men's basketball picks up a new player who could be playing in a Hokie uniform next year. All that and more is straight ahead. Episode 176 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on the following platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, April 19th. Our crew today, as always, to my left here on the podcast set, our managing editor at TechSideline.com, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, great to have you all with us. Looking forward to talking a lot of Virginia Tech football today. A reminder that if you have a question for Will or Chris, it could be about any sport, it could be about any topic, go ahead and put it in the YouTube chat. And when you do that, whether you ask a question or not, Will, there are just two simple things that you could do to, to help us out if you're watching. What are those two things? The thing number one is like, and thing number two is subscribe. Thing number three is comment. And so, because that helps with the YouTube, YouTube algorithm, and we really appreciate people just just chiming in and saying, hey, enjoy the podcast. You know, and the, more, the more comments, the more better. If you have a question for Will or Chris, even after the show, go ahead and drop it in those comments, and maybe the Tech Sideline administrator on YouTube will chime in. Never so back. I should be clear, the comments during the live stream go away. The comments we're talking about is after the final video is posted, just pile in there and comment and you know share it with other people if you want them to see it and that sort of thing. The Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. SCRTC is creating Olympic opportunities and making Virginia Tech wrestling better. Assist them in attracting the best recruits in the nation. Go to southeastrtc.com today to learn more and to donate today. Again, that's the Southeast Regional Training Center creating Olympic opportunities and making Virginia Tech wrestling better. And if you would like to have your company part of Tech Sideline and the Tech Sideline podcast, Will, there hasn't been a better time than right now to become a part of the TSL family. 
I am actually, for one of the few times in the history of Tech Sideline, working on sponsorships well ahead of time. So we're lining up sponsorships for next year for 2021-2022. And uh, so if you're interested, if you want to find out how we can help promote your business to Virginia Tech fans, and we're not just talking locally, we're talking all around the state, all around the country. Um, if you're interested, send me an email at will at sportswar.com or will at techsideline.com will also work. Or uh, just uh, hit me up on Twitter or whatever works for you. Two quick things I want to point out real quick because you mentioned you help a business from anywhere. It doesn't have to be Southwest Virginia or Blacksburg because people listen all over the place. And if you go back and watch or listen to our most recent podcast that we did last week and you look at the comment section – How about this? We have somebody commenting, Brian Crystal, saying, I love the podcast being stationed in Guam the last three years. Tech Sideline is my lifeline to Hokie News. And Joseph Warren said, great information as usual. Love to listen weekly in El Paso, Texas. Right. I was at uh, Patrick County High School's baseball practice on Friday. They were uh, honoring Brad Klontz. He's now honored on their scoreboard there. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Brad Klontz was uh, a Virginia Tech pitcher back in, back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Got drafted, won the World Series with the Braves. Uh, gives back to his community a lot. He's a big Tech supporter. But anyway, he was getting honored, so I was down there for that. And several people came up to me that were in Brad's entourage that, that are Tech guys, and they said, hey, man, love the site, watch the podcast every week, et cetera, et cetera. It's It's really cool. I tell people all the time uh, that, that, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, that people used to come up to me and say, oh, I love the site. And nobody says that anymore. They come up and they say, I love the podcast. Right. right. Uh, Even someone from Atlanta came up to me and said that. So if you're actually thinking about a sponsorship, you you know, this isn't just a, this isn't just a Blacksburg thing. That's the thing about uh, video and the internet and things like that. Uh, You don't have to be local to actually, uh, uh, Gain some to of benefit the benefits from it, yeah. of, of a sponsorship. So um, you you texted me and you said one of the people you met this weekend was Jeff Bolton, correct? Was, did I get the last name right? You did, Jeff yeah. Bolton. He he was uh, he was quarterback at Tech before my time. I'm looking at his college stats, 1979 through 1981, and he said he listens to the podcast. So here's a shout out to Jeff Bolton, yeah, who's even older than I am. Well, one of my favorite things I've heard about people who listen to the podcast, I was talking to Carter Hill, uh, who is a senior at Blacksburg High School, and he said that he would listen to the show in his B1, I believe it was his chemistry class in the morning. And so I, uh, or maybe, maybe it was a homeroom, but he might have even said jokingly it was a class. And I'll be honest, I'm not trying to call you out, Carter. I was definitely that kid in high school who would find a way to uh, listen to a podcast or, you know, get on techsideline.com or do something. So anyways. It's really cool to see everybody who listens and watch, and we're glad you're here. We've got a great show today. Again, a lot of Virginia Tech football talk. We've been previewing position by position group, getting you set for the 2021 Virginia Tech football season. On previous shows, you can hear us talk about the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers and tight ends, offensive and defensive line. Today, we'll wrap it up by talking about linebackers, defensive backs, and special teams. But we begin the news with some unfortunate news, and that was that last week coach Justin Fuente confirmed that wide receiver Changa Hodge tore his ACL and will miss the upcoming 2021 season. He caught just three passes last year for Virginia Tech, but he transferred into the program very late uh, from Villanova, where he caught over 65 passes and over 1,100 yards in 2019. So, Chris, I know we just did a wide receiver preview a couple of weeks ago, 
But there were a lot of people asking, what do you think about Changa Hodge? He is the lone senior in this receiving group. What kind of impact does this have on the wide receivers? Well, it means one more freshman is going to have to play, most likely. Uh, you know, you look at this list with him crossed off. Out of the eight scholarship players that are currently on the team this spring, five of them are, are freshmen. Um, so that means three non-freshman wide receivers right now for Virginia Tech. Trey Turner, Caleb Smith, Tavion Robinson. Um, I, I guess theoretically, technically speaking, Jaden Payute would be the fourth most experienced wide receiver on the roster, and he'll be a redshirt freshman, and he spent most of his career on the injured list injured, and yeah. hasn't even gone through a spring practice uh, during his career yet. So uh, it's kind of a depleted group. Um, I suppose that the trans picking up someone from the transfer, transfer portal this summer could be an option, but then – you know, you kind of run into the same issues as you ran into with, with Shanga Hodge. Right. Uh, no benefit of spring practice for that incoming player to learn the system. Um, I don't think uh, August camp is going to be disrupted like it was last year. Um, we so hope not. We hope not. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it hurts. Uh, fortunately, Virginia Tech has about 87 tight ends who could play, so – they uh probably going to see some heavy type formations from the Hokies this year, I would think. And, and a couple of those tight ends can be split out wide. Like, of course, James Mitchell and uh, Gallo can also be split out. Yeah. And, uh, and Julius is more of an inline guy. Uh, uh, I don't know. He played wide receiver I, in high school, basically. I th but I think reading reading the, uh, the press conference stuff from last week, I think that's what they said. And that kind of surprised me, too. Like, really? You see Julius is more of an inline guy? Right. So we'll see how that plays out. I uh, was playing golf last week at Pete Dye River Course and was wrapping up and saw Drake Dulius. First time I've ever seen him in person. Didn't say anything, but um, he's <laughs> very you tall. And say, You're Drake Dulius. No, I didn't do that. Uh, come on the Tech Sideline podcast. No, uh, but he is. He looks extremely strong. Like, I guarantee you he's mashing balls off the tee, but in all seriousness, like he looks like he's he's ready to go for the season. Cool. So, um, But, you know, back to Hodge, you know, kind of unfortunate last year, for him, well, right? I mean, the, the FCS season gets postponed to the spring. He enters the portal the minute that happens. Yeah. Catches just three passes after such a great 2019 season and yeah, then tears it, his ACL. It's really unfortunate. You know, when he elected to transfer to Virginia Tech, you know, he wasn't unhappy at Villanova or anything. He was a very productive player there. He only entered the transfer portal when FCS came out and said, we're not playing this fall. Until the spring. And, yeah. well, at that point – you didn't even know for sure whether is they that were right? Play. They just said we're not playing. Well, I, and they figured out the they, they, they postponed the, the season. That's they, true. They've postponed it, but at that point, you didn't actually know whether they would actually go through with it and play it. Right? Yeah. Well, so, what I just remembered is that that was very early in the pandemic, and nobody knew what was going to happen. Right. Well, you know? right. Uh, so he was just trying to make sure he got to play football. Period. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't. And then he, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it's it's a you know he'd be eligible for another year. I guess this would be his next year would be his seventh year. Is he in Justice he, Reed he, territory he'd be a regular now? Justice Reed, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, that's it's it's certainly a uh, hurts from a depth perspective. From a talent perspective, I, I think Changa certainly could have helped Tech. Um, but, you know, it was just unfortunate that 
he got here so late last year and didn't yeah. have a chance to learn the offense and, and everything like that. But how good he would have been, we really don't know. Yeah, because we had right. we hadn't seen a fully prepared Hodge on the field yet, and hope we were hoping to get to see that this year, but not now. Yeah, according to a sports reference, two games, three receptions. Does that sound right? Just two games. He played in more than two games. Yeah, that, that didn't sound right. I think me. that I think that probably means he caught passes in two different games. Uh, and they yeah. were later in the season too. I want to say he caught maybe one against Clemson, oh, one yeah, against yeah. Virginia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it took him yeah. a, it was all a couple months. Yeah. 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 Um, so, anyways, can can only imagine though. What I mean to go from and think about this too: transferring schools in August, right? It was late when he transferred, and then doing yeah. all of it in the middle of a pandemic, right? right? Where you and can't go he, tour the school and go through the normal process of getting was, to meet with teams and coaches. There was also COVID protocol when you transfer, so he got here. And couldn't even practice. Had to stay had, home two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then he starts practicing. Oh, and then practice gets shut down. I mean, the guy gets thrown on a football field against NC State, and they basically never practiced before with yeah. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, um, so it, that that that's awfully difficult. Um, and I, I hate it for him because just the way your college career – ends like that it's it's been nothing but bad news for him since the pandemic started yeah well like you said i mean he could come back for a seventh season but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see that's a that's a lot that's a lot of college you know but most guys don't want to do that no yeah Yeah. it's just yeah anyways well hopefully a a speedy recovery uh, for changa hodge again who will miss the 2021 season due to a acl tear i I mean i know two students sitting in this room have only been here four years and they're they're ready they're ready to graduate I plead the fifth. Uh, all right, let's transition into our position previews. I mentioned previous podcasts. You can go back and listen and watch the previews about quarterbacks and running backs, receivers, tight ends. Last week we did the offensive and defensive line. We're going to wrap up our position previews as Virginia Tech football gears up for the 2021 season. Um, and we're going to start at the linebacker position, which is an interesting group that has a new position coach. Tracy Clay's out. Jack Tyler, the former Hokie, in. And you look at the really the key departure was Rayshard Ashby, who's kind of been a mainstay in that linebacker room for the last couple of years. So, Chris, you wrote a really great article a couple of weeks ago, creating depth at linebacker. The cover photo is Dax Hollyfield. Is that the the big storyline in the spring, the transition for Dax to the, his natural position that he was recruited to play in the Mike spot? I, I think so. Um, he'll be in his fourth year in the in the program. Uh, you know, Dax, his mere presence provides artificial depth because he can play either spot. But, you know, he was recruited to play Mike, and that's been the storyline we've been hearing since the end of last season is now he's going to have an opportunity to play his natural position. So, you know, he was a top 250 recruit, four-star guy, Virginia Tech, uh, beat out some high-level schools for him. So there's always been a lot of hype around Dax. There's a perception and, that his, his other key school was Clemson. Is that right? Did, did Yeah. The, I mean, he took a visit there late and, and everything like yeah. that. Uh, and that was, that was a Bud Foster production. That I was think. a, yeah, but Bud really, really wanted he, he Dax. And, he and Bud really connected. Um, you know, Dax hasn't quite lived up to the hype so far. Not that that's his fault. He can't help where, how the recruiting rankings choose to rank him. Right. Right. That's completely out of player's control. But he hasn't lived up to the hype at a position which I don't think he's physically suited. 
Yeah. Um, he can play backer, but he's not an ideal backer at all. And so, this, is, this is not a shot at Dex. If you right. put if you put Rayshard Ashby out there at backer, he wouldn't do well either. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, he'd do worse than than Dax. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, so Dax was one of those guys. He had his moments. Uh, like it was kind of an up and down career for him at backer. Like I thought the Liberty game. Actually, the Liberty game he played Mike. Yeah, that's the one where he played but, Mike. Yeah, and he didn't yeah. Go so, uh, so that, that that's the scary part to me is uh, we've seen him one game at what everybody thinks is is his natural position, and he did not perform well there at all. When According Rachel, to PFF grades, right? Yeah, and the eye test and the eye frankly. test, correct? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that doesn't make him unique. I just yeah. hardly any Virginia Tech players played well against against Liberty, at least on the <sighs> defensive side of the ball. But at yeah, any rate, yes, yes. with a spring practice under his belt at Mike, finally playing his natural position, um, we're about to find out how good Dax is. Yeah, he's had 15 practices, you know, and, right. and we don't – at least I don't, maybe you do. How much time did he really have to prep for that Liberty game? Like at what point was he told you're going to be our Mike? Oh, in the middle of the game. Ashby started the game and got hurt. Well, there you go. Uh, so right, right, well, like, you know, uh, da- he, he was always, like, practicing at both spots. That's true. That's true. I remember extent. that now. But, but yes, 100% fully dialed in on uh, at, at Mike. Now, it also has benefits at another position, at, you know, Alan Tisdale, who, you know, I, I think is certainly Virginia Tech's best backer. That gets him on the field 100% of the time instead of, you know, just 50% of the time. So uh, there, there are hidden benefits there too. But yeah, I, I think Dax's progression at, at Mike. Uh, I, I think the defensive line is going to be really good, and and I think the cornerbacks are going to be really good. The nickel's going to be really good. There is some question marks at the safety spot, but let's assume those guys are at least you know solid and competent. You know how good the linebackers are. I think we'll we'll determine whether this defense is pretty good or really good. I think that's fair. Um, you know, and and uh, not that not that last year's defensive line did a poor job, but I think this year's has more potential to keep the keep the linemen off the linebackers and give them a little bit more room to maneuver. Yeah, so, I, I think so. I mean, you talk about Alan Tisdale; he's definitely the most physically gifted for for the backer spot. But Tisdale's issue has been consistency, you know, making some great plays and then being out of position. He, on he just plays. hasn't been strong enough. Um, well, but he, but I think some of it's also mental of, yeah, of not sure. not winding up in the right place on some. Some of it is. Uh, as far as we some can of it, sometimes he gets there and gets his arms on him, and they just keep going because right. he was two hundred and ten pounds, if that. Well, yeah. now, now he's 219. He told the press uh, that yeah. last week that he's 219. And he, and he did look, he looked bigger through the arms and, and everything like that. And, and that's a big deal. Uh, I, I still don't think 219 is his ideal weight, but you also don't necessarily want somebody putting on, you know, 20 or 25 pounds in one off season. That, yeah. that might not be all good weight. So sometimes you, maybe it has to be a gradual thing. I, I don't know. I'm not, not an expert in that thing, uh, in that field. I just know that, you know, 219 sounds better than 210 to me. And he's still got time. You, you know, you can uh, you can add another five pounds in August and, and see how you feel. And uh, if you're still quick and athletic and everything like that, then you can keep it. Uh, if you don't, if you feel a little sluggish and, and you're not used to the new weight, then it's kind of easy to drop five pounds in the month of August. And and I, I got, you know, in, in reading his comments in, in last week's press conference, he, he said he wanted to be between 215 and 220. He said, I'm 219. 
And I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but he said, I'm still moving well yeah, at yeah. that weight. Yeah, so, thought, yeah, yeah, try another five, yeah. you know. Yeah. And when you're 6'3", when you have that frame, you can add five pounds just like that. Yeah. I mean, I I added five to my frame, but I'm 5'9". When I got on a mass gainer a few months ago, yeah. and I added less than a month. And, uh, and, and I've seen the I've way. seen the pizza in that new uh, student athlete performance center. Man, there's some good food <laughs> up there. It's, there 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 are no barriers to Alan Tisdale putting on weight. Right. So we just mentioned the starters essentially. Mike, it's going to be Dax Hollyfield at least on the depth chart right now. And then at backer, as Chris put it in the article, it's Tisdale's spot to lose. Yeah. Real quick, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give you Tisdale, and I'm gonna give Will. I'm gonna give you Hollyfield. Give me one word. That could describe the 2021 season that each of those players could have uh, if they word. reach their full potential. I can give you a thought. I don't know if I can give you one word, but go ahead, Chris. All right. Rephrase that or, hmm. or, or give it to sure. me again. How about, one, how, about, how about a thought or a phrase? Uh, a key. A key. If, uh, if I, gave you, um, I gave you Tisdale, if Alan Tisdale is to have the best possible 2021 season mm-hmm. for himself, yeah. what does that look like and what's a key for him to achieve that? Uh, I think uh, the best possible season. I think he has all ACC potential. Uh, I don't know whether that's first team or second team or, or what, because there's a billion teams in the in conferences these days. Uh, but he has all ACC potential and NFL potential. Um, you know, I, I think he's on the right track from a mental standpoint, and I think he understands where he needs to get from a size standpoint and what it's going to take to to reach his potential. Uh. For for me, it's it's health. If he stays healthy, I think he'll have a good year. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't stay healthy, what does that do to the linebacker spot? His backup is true freshman Lakeem Rudolph, who's working at linebacker for the first time after playing special teams as a safety. And I like Rudolph's, which frame. we'll get to oh, in just a minute. I love it. Yeah. And then uh, Izzy Atute, also a true freshman. Uh, you could also, you know, if Tisdale got hurt, you could move Dax back to backer. In which case, either Kishon Artis or Dean Ferguson is your starting Mike. And, you know, we don't know much about them at this point. So, uh, you know, there's no proven backups uh, amongst the linebackers, but that's not new. It's rare that Virginia Tech actually has proven backups. Oh, you go back to the Bud Foster days, and he would pick two guys, and they would play and play and play. He did not so. It was was rare. It was weird because Charlie would rotate the entire line, and Bud would be like, no, my my linebackers are staying. Yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Now, he did uh, – Rotate Brian Welch and Jake House right way back in the day yeah. with Mike, but it was rare um, yeah. that he would do it. So this is nothing new. Yeah. Uh, so, just hopefully got to stay healthy. So for Dax, um, you know, we, we as fans tend to sit and watch watch the players and and through our somewhat mostly mostly uneducated lenses. Some guys who watch football really know the sport well and and can truly make an evaluation of. Is a guy making a play? Is he in the right gap? Is he making the tackle when he's there? We tend to look at that. For Dax, you remember one of the reasons that Rayshard Ashby just stayed on the field and never came off, even when he wasn't having that great of a year last year, was they trusted him to set the defense up. Mm -hmm. He was the guy who knew what was going on, could get everybody in position. And that's a huge part of that position, the Mike position, that your your average fan just doesn't see. You know, you you don't know if misalignment in among the defensive backs, for example, is the cause is the fault of those backs or 
Well, you know, a, a mic. Well, a safety it, will set the defense. Correct. Pass. A mic is going to be telling the linebackers right. what to do. Everything at his level and in front of him. Right. Correct. So, but, but if somebody's if somebody's in the wrong gap or or somebody blows a gap assignment or something like that, there's always a tendency to throw your hat across the room and say, "Ah, dang it, defensive end, what are you doing?" That's not necessarily always his fault. Yeah, uh, it's there. There's there's levels of subtlety to it that yeah. we can't see. And I remember many many years ago, Virginia Tech played had a game against Duke, and I don't remember the exact details, but they were they were stomping Duke and. And late in the game, Duke scored an easy touchdown. And I made a comment in an article about, I don't remember who the linebacker was, but I made some flip comment like, well, for some reason, so-and-so chose to go charging up that game. It was Jack Tyler. Was his, it really? His dad came after you. Yeah, and, and, da- <laughs> and, and Jack's dad sent me an email and said, Jack did exactly what he was supposed to do on that play. Mm-hmm. It's one of the defensive linemen who had attacked the wrong gap and thus opened up for that uh, and that's when you know I'm, I'm not much of an ex and those guy on football at all and that's that's when I realized man you got to be careful what you say because you even even Raleigh Hokey back when he used to write for us would would hedge a little bit he would say it looked like on this play that so-and-so was out of position but I'm not exactly sure what his assignment was mm-hmm. so so all this talk is um Really kind of geared towards, back back to the topic, a key for Dax is can he get the, the people he's responsible for aligned properly? Right, right. And that's a much longer answer than you wanted. But No, yeah. no. I'm glad. I, listen, this is what we're here for. Um, I want to talk about some key backups. And, Chris, you just kind of alluded to, right? We don't know a lot about the linebacker depth, and there's a lot of unknown about certain players. I want to start by talking about uh, Marshall transfer C.J. McCray, six three two fifteen. You expect him to play the backer spot. He has yet to yep. enroll, but I'm curious on on what you know about McCray and his time at Marshall. What jumps out to you, and is he somebody who could play significant snaps this year? Mm. You know, I think he's a depth guy for now. I don't think he qualified out of high school, so he went to Marshall, and that that's. That that's I think that's correct. Yeah, I, I think that's he had almost a lot no. of guys on the Marshall roster fit that. <laughs> fit I that, mean, that, that, yeah. that that's Marshall. Uh, how good is he? I, I don't know. I mean, sure. I I know that J C Price is here from Marshall. Just got here from Marshall, and he was is Virginia Tech one of Virginia's ex defensive line coaches. So I know he's had eyes on McCray in practice, right? So he's got a better feel for his talents and athletic ability than everything else. So this is very much a familiarity signing for Virginia Tech. This is That's a guy a that the one, one of our coaches has been exposed to in the past and thinks he can help us and the guy's in the portal. So here he is. And, and I'm glad to have him because, you know, his mere presence means you can redshirt Izzy Atute. 29 right? minutes in. Yep, yep. Uh, so – he, from a size and athletic standpoint, he seems like he fits the mold at backer. How good of a football player is he right now? I, I don't know. Just haven't seen him play. So I'm sitting here looking through the uh, article. March 25th is when he announced he was going to transfer to Virginia Tech. And some hack named Will Stewart wrote it because he doesn't say a thing about C.J. McCray's stats. He says he's 6'3", 215, coming out of Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, I'm Carolina. pretty sure he has no stats. Didn't he redshirt or what? Yeah, he didn't even he didn't play. Even That's play right. He Marshall. got his academics in order right. like first semester or so. Something like yeah. that. Okay, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Because he was a non-qualifier. So. Right. Um, all right. 
So, and keep in mind, he's not on the roster right now. He will not be here till the summer. So yeah, he's still it, at Marshall. It, right, right. It'll be an adjustment period for him. Uh, you know, picking up the defense and everything in August. So right. we'll see. Glad to have him, but like yeah. So the last time he played football it, was in high school. Right, right. So yeah, it, it would be point. difficult to see him unseating Alan Tisdale. We'll put it that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think another person will who might just be an X factor who we just don't know enough about or i don't know about x factor I just, he intrigues me lakeem rudolph yeah six four two fifteen a freshman somebody who came in and was a safety last year played mm-hmm. a couple of special team snaps um as chris writes in his article a big athlete who can mm-hmm. run and has been moved to backer this spring what do you think about lakeem rudolph's potential uh he should probably red shirt <laughs> But no, Chris was like when when we were at the practice. Chris was like, "Go get some pictures of Lakeem Rudolph," you know. Yeah. And so he, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, he's he's got a good frame. And Chris, when when Tech recruited him, was he perceived as more of a safety type? Uh, a big frame safety. I'll just call a rangy athlete. Yeah, that's how I remember thinking of, of him. Was and and, and, yeah. and you didn't really get a full glimpse of his abilities in high school because he got hit by a car at some point. And like I don't I don't know if he missed like his junior year or his senior year or or missed camps yeah. or, or something like that. But yeah, he was down and out. Like his physical development in the weight room and everything stopped for a while because he was recovering from getting run over by a car. So uh, he's this a dot. Something. This is a new recruiting story for me too. Out of right. all these years doing this job, this is the first time. This story's ever been told for sure. Now we've heard about people being in car accidents. Right. We, we've had kids miss entire years, right? Because right. they were in a car accident. But, uh, but so I, I think uh, I don't think you really got a glimpse of his potential when he was in high school because of that. But you see this guy in person, and uh, he's listed at six four two fifteen. The six four certainly looks out. That's for real. The two fifteen, I would say, at least ten pounds heavier than that. Exactly. Huh? Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought he looked good size. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's a big frame guy. Um, you know, last year didn't count. So like a Tute, he's a uh, he's a true freshman. True um, freshman. I think. You know, when McCray come in, you could potentially redshirt both of them, but then one of them's blocked long term, and you're going to lose one of them. But that's just the nature of the beast yeah. these days. Let let them sort themselves. Let out. let them let them sort it out themselves. But yeah, I think Rudolph and Atute are both are both good prospects. So I uh, I look forward to that battle down, down and, the line. And you think Atute, as uh, you wrote in your article, is somebody who could play at two thirty or two thirty five? Oh yeah, he's day. he's listed at six three two oh six. But and you know, on signing day last year. Fuente described him as a big human being, which, you know, if you just look at his listed height and weight, you don't think that. But then you see him in person and he has a bigger frame. He's he's big bone, so to speak. He like he's listed at six three two oh six. Tisdale's listed at six three two ten. Atute looks much bigger than that's Tisdale. True. I think that's fair. Um so. And, and so you give it, you know, Fuente's beating that drum we we want to be one of the top development programs in the country. This is your opportunity. You got some guys on your these, roster. These are develop. Uh, these are guys that can be developed from a yeah. physical standpoint. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Fuente's in a position where he kind of kind of has to win now, but he's still going about things the right way. I think trying to. He's build still. The yeah. He's he's not gonna. He doesn't seem to me that you'll see some coaches. I guess if they're trying to make their jobs, that they'll make decisions. They'll make shortcuts. Short 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 term decisions that are best for for the here and the now. And not necessarily good, you know, for the benefit of the long-term future of the program. And uh, 
You know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't seem to be doing that. And the comparison there is what Buzz Williams did during his last right. year. Here, you know, and <laughs> yeah. when, when Buzz knew he was on the way out and, and he used all of Tech's official visits and... To recruit for Texas A&M. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to transition real quick, talk about the depth at the Mike spot. Two names I want to bring up, talk a little bit more about. Let's start with Keyshawn Artis, and then we'll transition to Dean Ferguson. Um, Artis is somebody I feel like who's kind of a fan favorite and a lot that gets asked on social media and the message boards, six foot, 244 pound redshirt sophomore. So he is the heaviest of the three of Hollyfield, mm-hmm. Ferguson, and Artis. How would you sum up his career thus far, Chris? Yeah. And can he play meaningful snaps this year yeah. behind Hollyfield? He played, in a, played as a true freshman in 2018 on special teams. Got into the game at linebacker a little bit against mm-hmm. Marshall the last game of the season. First game of the 2019 season, he actually got a couple series at Mike during that game against Boston College, and I thought he did fine in maybe 10 plays or something right. like that. But then he, he later redshirted that year. And, uh, you know, he's always stuck behind Rayshard Ashby and now, you know, Dax being uh, the higher-regarded player. Um, Dax is one of the most popular players on the team if you read our poll from in the Friday Q and A, yeah, I need to go back and check that. Yeah, um, um, it's I think Dax is maybe second, and, and James list. James Mitchell was, James was Mitchell, the runner. James Mitchell was first, and I think Dax was second. Uh, so, artists, though, you know, art, we we heard Tracy Clay's did not think much of artists as as a player. Correct, um, um, but yes, but and and we thought in the fall based on that that he was probably on the way out. Um, but there's a new linebackers coach now uh, in Jack Tyler. And so the opportunity is there for him now um, yeah, it, it, to, it, to, make, to, to, to progress. Yeah, it, it, it feels to me like he's been here forever. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know? And, yeah. and I know that he's, he's very positive and good on social media. Is, so yeah. is his mom. Yeah, real good active family. on social media. Yep. And he is one of those, uh, one of those guys that – that so far is sticking it out. He's not giving it up easily. Exactly. And, yeah. and based on the feedback we've gotten, and this feedback goes back a little ways, this isn't real recent. Um, I think the key for him is to, uh, um, if I could phrase it, it would be to be more, be more aggressive and stick his nose in there more than I think he has the perception is of what he's done in the past. But again, that's me on the outside looking in, hearing stuff secondhand through people. Right, and, th- and that could be either – He's just not naturally aggressive, or it could be because he just wasn't quite didn't quite know the position yet, or yeah, just you know the speed of the game and everything. Yeah. I mean, he's still a young player. Yeah. Maybe his mind just hadn't caught up to everything else, and and that when you're thinking too much, that limits your aggressiveness and everything like that. So so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what that initial depth chart looks at all positions, but but this Mike position especially, because I've heard they're really high on Dean Ferguson, who's, who's your other Mike. Uh, 6'2", 228 this past year looks every bit of 235 or 240. I mean, this guy looks like an absolute tank when you see so him they, in person. They, they got options there. Yeah, um, so the, 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 again, another competition that, that, that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And as Chris puts in his article, quote, I'm pulling for Ferguson to have a great career. Both of his parents went to UVA, and it would be fun slash funny to watch him smack the who's around with them in the stands, close quote. So that's a great way for us to transition from linebackers to a great conversation we're going to have in just a moment about the defensive backs. 
Um, there's a lot of depth coming back. There's a lot of exciting pieces. How does Jermaine Waller fit back in everything after an up and down 2020? Can Dorian Strong build on his strong 2020 campaign? We'll talk about that in just a moment, but we're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll talk about defensive backs. Then we'll talk about special teams. And we'll talk a little bit about the newest addition for Coach Mike Young and the Virginia Tech men's basketball team. Don't go anywhere. We're back in just a moment. You're watching and listening to episode 176 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Welcome back into episode 176 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Evan Hughes back with you along with Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Off to a great show talking a lot about Virginia Tech football as we continue to preview position groups ahead of the 2021 college football season. Just talked about the linebackers and we'll transition to the defensive backs where there are a lot of key pieces on this team, whether they're, they're a corner or safety. We'll talk about the whips and nickels. A lot of uh, familiar faces returning from last season to this year. And, well, let me start with you on this one because I think there's a lot of different directions you could go with this question. Okay. What, is the, what is the biggest question mark you have around the DBs going into 2021? Uh, most people are going to say safety, but I'm going to say, can we get a full productive year out of Jermaine Waller? Mm. You know, really could have used that last year. Although Dorian Strong did a good job. Because um, remember going in the last year, you know, before the pandemic started, they thought they were going to have Caleb Farley and Jermaine Waller. It was the best cornerback duo in the country. In the probably. country, and that's yeah. not exaggerating, yeah. you know. And instead they wound up with neither one of those guys and a, a new defensive scheme that they didn't get to practice. Right. Uh, so anyway. Uh, that's that's neither here nor there. To answer your question, can they get a full, healthy year out of Jermaine Waller? I think that's huge. How much of a difference would it make to have Waller back at full strength like he was in 2019? Oh, huge. He was so good in 2019. Um, he got so overshadowed by Caleb Farley, and yet he was right behind him. Right, and a lot of those advanced metrics and everything. It's not as big as, Far as Farley from uh, – like like he's much skinnier than Farley. He's got a lot of length, but he's 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 still he's skinny. So he's not as projectable as far as NFL draft and everything like that. But he's a good athlete, and you know if you just look at his pure numbers, and just teams did not have success throwing at him. Uh, it, it was hard to throw the ball against Virginia Tech outside the hashes two two years ago. Yeah, it really extremely was. difficult. Fewest receptions allowed among FBS cornerbacks with 50 plus targets in 2019 number one caleb farley with 18 number two jermaine waller of virginia tech with 20 yeah 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 a really really good player um if he doesn't get knocked out of that notre dame game i think tech wins it um in 2019 remember he got helmet to helmet knocked out of the game yes and they yeah. had to bring in uh, uh chapman. chapman well chapman. No, no here and then they brought in chapman and chapman had a good freshman season he bro he he uh remember he had that interception that got overturned he it was the first play, play they right. came in right. he made a great right play. made a and great play and, the acc yeah. came out later and said, said that we, was the wrong we, call. we messed up the call exactly uh well that helps. but but <laughs> if you recall like like chapman came in to replace waller and then chapman got hurt 
uh, and came off, and I think Breon Murray came in for yeah. him. Then on the last drive of the gra- of the game, Caleb Farley got hurt and came off, and then they put an injured Armani Chapman back into the game on that left side of the field, and that's where Ian Book ran ran it in on that side where Tech had an injured cornerback. Right. Um, that's good coaching. You know, and, that, right. that last play call was excellent. Right. And, and really the whole drive, it wasn't like it was a short drive. Right. Right. But you know, tech was without their starting corners for that. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, so, I, but at any rate, back to the topic. Yeah. If Jermaine Waller's the 2019 version of, of Jermaine Waller, then, then yeah, that's one side that's of the one field. Side you, you don't, don't have to worry have about, to worry about. Yeah. Let right. me ask you this, Will. Do you think Jermaine Waller coming off of the injuries? He hardly saw the field last year. I mean, remember he was out for two games, came back in North Carolina, and then he really never saw the field the rest of the season. Can Jermaine Waller get back to 2019 Jermaine Waller? I think that's a good question uh, because, and help me fill in some blanks here, Chris, uh, he and Farley both struggled in 2018, and they both took well, a huge Well, Far- Farley struggled. Waller barely played. Okay. Um, he was a true freshman, played some special teams. I want to say he probably played fifty or fifty or sixty snaps on defense. Okay, but he did. He wasn't on the field enough to either struggle or stay or stand out. To so be I'm going to say yes, Evan. Yes, he can be the 2019 Jermaine Waller because it wasn't like 2018 prepped him for 2019. Right, uh, as Chris just said, he didn't didn't play a whole lot at at, at the corner position. You know, the, the question is. I imagine Tech isn't doing too much different with their corners from a schematic standpoint. He's under a new coach now, so how does he adjust to a new coach with Ryan Smith? Uh, the word through the grapevine is that the players really like Ryan Smith. Agreed. But how I think the coaches? Fine. You, you, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I being mean, a good player means more than liking your coach. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's Jermaine Waller, and he's coming off of a uh, foot injury last year. Correct. That was the main thing that sidelined him. Do we? He, didn't was he yeah. kind of? Didn't he kind of dodge the question when he was in front uh, of the well, press and uh, did not really get into it? I don't know, but we have a picture of him. You remember he, it started at the end of the 2019 season. Right. He missed the belt bowl, and we have a picture of him on on the field in pregame warmups a with boot. a huge boot on his on his foot. So yeah, he had a foot injury. Whether there was anything else, I don't know. And yeah, to my knowledge, that they he and Fuente have not really gone public with what 2020 was all about as far as his injury. Oh issues. yeah, and the, and the, re- and the reason they do, they are not doing that is is not because so Tech fans don't know. It's to protect his NFL draft status. Hmm. Like uh, J.C. Price told a story uh, about lying to the NFL basically about his back. Uh. He told, basically, they told them, you know, J.C. hardly ever practiced by the end of his tech career because his back was always hurting. He was just playing. And he knew he wasn't going to get drafted if they knew he he had a hurt back. So either he or his agent or or a tech coach or somebody told NFL scouts, he just didn't practice because he was lazy. His His back's fine. And they'd rather him be lazy than have an injured back. So I was they about to say, him, right? They, right? They think they can fix lazy. They can't fix the bad. Right. Back. Exactly. So he got drafted because they lied about his injury. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes, uh, and I know the NFL draft process is more advanced now than, than it was back then, as far as finding out that that sort of stuff. But uh, remember, that was twenty five years ago. Right. Right. So I expect. Uh, but that's got quite a bit to do with it. If you've if you've had an injury, you know you don't want 
you don't want too much information about it out there, uh, which concerns me a little bit because it, maybe if they if they thought it was one hundred percent fine, never going to be an issue again, then they'd they talk just about tell it, you. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I am a little bit concerned from that standpoint, but at least Virginia Tech has depth at cornerback. I mean, they got two exper- very very experienced backups. Hey, Chris, who was somebody who had a maybe unexpected strong? season last year <laughs> strong in quotes depend well i mean uh yeah dorian strong if you, <laughs> that's what i was going for there a bright spot if, if from you 2020. depends on whether uh, thank you he'll now, be here all week now whether now whether that's uh whether it was actually unexpected or not i wasn't surprised good by point it. well if, if, if you just follow recruiting rankings you were surprised i was i mean unexpected from you expect farley and waller to right, be your one right. two corners and you um, expect strong to redshirt because there's so much depth there. Yeah. If you go to at Chris Coleman, TSL, we've brought it up before, but it's worth bringing up again because it's been a little while. His background on Twitter is a picture of Alec Baldwin in a movie and somebody has Photoshopped the always bees normal than red shirting with. So anyways, always be red. I'll have to tweet that out, but let's talk about Dorian strong for a moment because what he accomplished last year, he was the ACC's 11th highest grader at cornerback minimum 200 snaps, eighth best cornerback in the league in overall coverage grade. Somebody uh, as Chris, put out uh he was a recruit that nobody wanted delaware state almost had one heck of a cornerback so there's a little bit of story there i'm editing chris's article and and sometimes he'll he'll go hard to the hole on some phrases and i'll soften him up a little bit (laughs) and he typed he was a recruit nobody wanted i'm like all right so let's go look him up and i looked him up and uh it said delaware state was his only other offer and I think I pretty much left that sentence as it was. <laughs> <laughs> I may have changed it to say that nobody but Delaware State wanted. <laughs> I mean, how much, you know, talk about finding like a diamond in the rough, Will. We've talked so much about how you can't do that as much now because of camps and social media. I mean, this to me feels like maybe a player like back in the day that Virginia Tech would get like yeah. consistently. Uh, yeah, right? well, and I think Dorian Strong and Virginia Tech, they're both fortunate that he's the age he was. If he had been a year younger, there would have been no camps because of COVID. Yeah. So Virginia Tech never would have found him, and he never would have found Virginia Tech. Do you, do you Tech. remember where they saw him? You probably remember. It was a camp up in Delaware. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that now. Yeah. Um, well, what impressed you most about Dorian Strong last year? Uh, mm, you know, I can't recall specifically watching him. And, and th- just for, for me, it was more about reading article after article about, you know, Chris going inside the numbers with the PFF grades and seeing that this, this kid is coming out of nowhere and playing well. Um, you know, when I look at games, I kind of – sometimes I notice certain things, sometimes I don't. So I can't give you a specific thing where, oh, I thought he broke on the ball really well. Or I thought his recovery speed was excellent. I think last year I spent a lot of time going – Oh man, they're gonna lose to Liberty. Oh man, they're gonna lose to Wake. You know that kind of thing. I, I think the, I think the biggest thing about Strong is like every, now you're gonna get a more like, technical answer. Like every other true freshman in the class, you know, they had to be quarantined. Like Tech's entire yeah, true freshman yeah. class in camp last year had to be quarantined for like two weeks. So he missed two weeks of the preseason, and what preseason there actually was, right? Because they, the camp got shut down at least once. So it barely practiced. Then the season starts, and he plays like a veteran from day one. Then he gets strep throat in the middle of the season. Maybe COVID, too. I, I, I th- maybe. I... So he was sick during the middle of the season. Barely got to practice before the season and still played at that high level. He was a good tackler, too, for somebody his size. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he came in 
And uh, I think he got up to 181 at some point, but then got sick and quarantined and got strep throat and or COVID or whatever. And he dropped down to probably 170, maybe even less than that. Uh, Despite being that size, he was still able to be an effective tackler. You know, know, the more we talk about this stuff, and and this is kind of a 50,000-foot view. Yes, I know every team had similar issues caused by COVID. Other teams had shutdowns. Other teams had new schemes, new coordinators. They didn't get a chance to practice. Yeah, and LSU stunk because of it. Yeah, you know, and LSU's defense fell off a cliff because they have a new new coordinator and didn't get a chance. Bo Pelini. Was it? Um, yeah. So, but the, but the more we talk about this, uh, for me, where I wind up is, um, and I, I don't want to phrase this too negatively or too harshly. I don't think you're going to see uh, when I look at the offense. I don't see an opportunity for the offense to take a huge step forward mm-hmm. unless the players do it. Unless Braxton Burmeister stays healthy all year and locks in and just really takes a huge step up and everybody else stays healthy. You kind of know what you got on offense. When I look at the defensive side of the ball, and, and this is probably spring optimism talking in, in large part. No, it's not. But but you just you, you look at there's so much that's falling into place for those guys. Number one, they're getting to practice their scheme. Number two, I'm just going to say it. I like Jack Tyler from a coaching standpoint more than I like Tracy Clays. I think that was a change that needed to be made. I'm not just talking recruiting. I, I think Tyler was in practice, the linebackers coach. Yes, anyway. I, I think that's fair. Um, Jordan Williams being added to the defensive line and just how the tackles look to us. The opportunity for Amari Barno to put on weight and continue to evolve. Dax being moved to the middle. Tisdale getting bigger. 19 million defensive backs, including three or four corners with experience. I just feel like there's a chance here for the defense to take a big step up. Yeah, that's not just spring optimism. That, that, that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that gets fair. Yeah, that's yeah. totally fair. And also, the, the overall health of the team seems to be good. Now, Fuente's a guy who's who's not going to tell you somebody's hurt unless he's O-U-T out. Yeah, and uh, but when we were there for practice, there were very few guys sitting out in a blue or green jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember the. I remember the first Fuente practice we ever went to, like in the spring of 2016. There were like 20 or 25 guys out. I don't even know how they managed to scrimmage. There were so many guys out. Uh, But almost everybody was able to practice. I think we we saw two guys on bikes and two guys going through workouts with uh, Schumann. Right, right, and yeah, so almost everybody was available. Um, So that's either a sign that that that. The health is better or the mentality is better. Because sometimes right. guys we'll don't see. know the difference between being hurt and injured. And being injured, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or, or, you know, or maybe it's both. That yeah. sounds like such a powerful quote you read in a book somewhere. Do you know the difference between being hurt and, and injured? Being injured? I don't know. That just yeah. felt really deep. And, yeah. uh, anyways. <laughs> injured, um, you can't play. Hurt, you need to suck it up. And yeah, it's football. There. You're always going to be hurt. <laughs> right. I do want to transition to safeties real quick because we're running short on time. But I want to point out one thing. That Chris pointed out, by the way, in his article on TechSideline.com, we have every position group available on the website right now that you can go read right now. Career snaps, Jermaine Waller, 974. Armani Chapman, 756. Breon Murray, 559. Dorian Strong, 462. A lot of depth there, and I'll point this out quickly, that you like Chapman as the number three corner and mm-hmm. Murray as the number four corner in I, that I think order. in terms of cons- consistency, uh, for sure. Uh, Chapman had a good freshman season two years ago. It was not as good last year, but, you know, new cornerbacks coach, new scheme. 
he's a better player than he showed last year, so I'm fine with him being in the game. Murray is an inconsistent guy. Uh, he's still kind of adapting to cornerback because he was like a safety nickel type at the JUCO level. Uh, again, you know, he was really, really, really bad against Liberty, and then the very next week he was awesome against Miami. Played his mm-hmm. best game of the season against Miami. Uh, that's more mental than anything. But there are worse things in the world. Uh, how many snaps for Breon Murray? Murray has... 500 and some. 559. 559. Yeah. Your fourth corner has 559 career snaps. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so I feel very, very good. In fact, Tech has so much cornerback depth that uh, when you get in long yardage situations, it's possible you could take Jamari Connor out and put in a nickelback, uh, a, a traditional corner. Right or or you slide Waller down to that nickelback spot and put in, oh Chapman or Murray is an outside corner. Uh, so so I, I just think that having that much experience back there provides some some X's and O's options yeah. that, that aren't necessarily available to every team. All right, let's transition from cornerbacks to safeties, where Divine Diablo has been a mainstay in that room for the last couple of years. He's now declared for the NFL draft and he's gone. Insert Tay Daly. A transfer from Vanderbilt as a senior. Devin Taylor returns as a redshirt senior. And then Keontae Jenkins is a freshman. Jared Walker is a redshirt freshman. Will, I'll start with you. How do the Hokies try to replace the the production of Divine Diablo at safety? I will openly admit that I'm clueless about what, that, what happens next. I'm sitting here looking at the list of safeties, and, man, I got nothing. I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I picked up during the spring is that they, that they like how vocal – Tay Daly has been since he came in, you know, that he's not just kind of hanging around watching things. Um, and I know Chris probably believes in the ability of Keonta Jenkins to take that next step forward that he, that he liked him last year. Now, is Jenkins free safety or strong safety? Well, he's free safety. And, Six, three, you know, nine, last four. year they moved Diablo to the boundary, to Rover. And, and yeah. first game of the season, they started Jenkins at free safety. And then again, the second game of the season, then he got COVID. And never really and that, got back never, in never there. Got back from he it, played yeah. great against NC State in that opening game. I remember he made an open field tackle against one of their running backs, I, I believe, out on the flats, and just it was just him and the offensive player, and just brought him down like a. And NC State's tape. running backs are They're good. good. Yeah, yeah. Or this might maybe this was a slot receiver. I, I don't know, but at any rate, it was a tackle in space that is difficult for even good players to make, and he made it easily. Yeah. Um, so I think. Uh, out of this group of safeties, long-term potential, Jenkins is the best. And I do think he starts at free safety this year. And, you know, strong safety, that, that you know, Tay Daly, who started for Vanderbilt, I think is probably the heads-on favorite. Devin Taylor started a lot last year at free safety for the Hokies. Mm-hmm. Um Real quick. Is he competing at boundary? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Real quick, who do you have more question marks about, Tay Daly or Devin Taylor? Mm. I wasn't thrilled with Taylor's tackling last year. I wasn't either. Uh, now, the thing about him, you have to remember, he he had never played safety until last year. He was a cornerback yeah. at Illinois State. He even came in and played cornerback in the first game against NC State. He didn't move to safety till. Everybody got COVID and started missing mm-hmm. practice, you know. So it's not really fair to him to judge his performance when you're mo- when you change positions in the middle of the season. And and you might and, be sitting out there listening and saying, "Listen, a guy can either tackle or he can't." 
But if you're unsure about what you're doing, then everything else goes down the toilet too. Right. Your, your positioning, your technique. If you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to be, then you're not thinking about things like getting your head across the ball carrier. And right, then, right. So now, it, can, it can really affect everything. Now, that being said, I don't think he's a great tackler. Yeah, well. So, uh, yeah. so to me, it's like, does he back up Jenkins at free safety or does he challenge daily at strong safety? Like, I, I don't – I would rather not have him start this year, but he can be a valuable player in the secondary because he can play both positions. Um, Jared Walker is a guy who played great in the spring game a couple years ago, or it seems like a couple decades ago. In terms I, of I missed games. that spring game. Uh, yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Uh, I think he was playing free safety then. Just from a size standpoint, he seems more like a strong safety. So... Where does he factor in? He was well. If you look at the, how how guys are listed, he's listed at two seventeen, and nobody else is over two hundred pounds. Right. So D- Taylor is two right on two hundred. Yeah. Uh, Walker was a four star recruit from from Raleigh, and uh, I still think highly of him. I, I, I thought he did okay early last year, but then like everybody else in the defensive backs room, I got shot down with COVID and. Some guys got their footing back when they came back from that, and some guys didn't. Uh, so we'll see. I, I still think he has a good, good long-term potential attack. And uh, but where's he playing? Like, uh, is it free safety or or boundary safety? Yeah. Right. Um, let's transition to Whip Nickel. You guys got any more thoughts on safety before we do that? No, other than the fact that Fuente said last week that Jalen Stroman was standing out amongst most amongst all the freshmen. And, and I know that from watching film, I think, Chris, you really like Deshaun Elder, right? Like yeah, I, I do. And... I, well, I love his athleticism. Yeah. I mean, he is a tall dude, big dude who can run. He looks like an SEC football player. Yeah. That's just how he's built. Um, and I think he's, I think he's from Georgia, actually. Uh, Stroman, it's interesting because he's supposed to be finishing his senior year of high school right now. So, but he enrolled early, so he never got his senior year. But but if he's standing out the most, that kind of tells you that his senior year of high school cut, would have been kind of a waste of his time anyway. There's a certain point where you need to move up a level of competition before you can actually progress as a player. That's a solid point. And, and playing another year of high school football wouldn't have made him any better, apparently, if he's doing this well this early. That's a great point. This is a really good point. And so that'll certainly make uh, Hokie fans uh, very happy. I was at Joe's Diner yesterday. Apparently, uh, Greg was in town. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there you go. I didn't I didn't see him, but apparently he was there when I was there. So uh, all right, let's transition. Whip nickel real quick. Listen, Chamari Connor is is such a uh, – he hits really hard and makes you go really ooh hard. and ah when yeah. you watch him, right? Chamari Connor is one of the fan favorites, but I want to keep it quick because I actually want to talk more about Nasir Peoples. I'm going to give you the ceiling question that I gave you earlier for Chamari Connor to progress as now a junior. What is his ceiling? If he were to reach that this year, he can be an NFL safety. Maybe if he uh, can get better at coverage, I'll say, Uh, I think he's good against the run. Uh, Some of those quicker slot receivers can give him trouble sometimes, which is why I threw a suggestion out there on third and long. If the tempo of the opposing offense allows you to do this, bring it in a corner. And those in those third and those obvious passing downs. Yeah, um, he was he. There were there were times where he struggled. Now Daz Newsom is a great football player. Yes, you know, so it's unfair to kind of hold that up as as the fairer Tremari Connor. But you know, UNC certainly exposed that. Right. So. 
All right, let's talk about Nasir Peoples real quick. So, six foot, two hundred two pound red shirt sophomore. Um, he's coming off of a torn ACL, so he was unavailable last year. Uh, when you think about Peoples, I mean, is he somebody who can come back off that injury and, and, and find the field this year? I think he was doing well. Or they were pleased with his progression earlier in his career. He's a guy who picked tack over Notre Dame and some other major offers originally from Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, he could also potentially help at one of the safety spots. Like, I would not rule that out. Like, if they got through the end of the spring and they go back and review film and everything and they're like, you know what? I'm not really completely pleased with either Devin Taylor or Tay Daly at, at Rover or boundary safety. Then maybe you come back in August and you give Peoples a look there because he could conceivably play it. Um, so he's one of those guys that, that could contribute at multiple spots. Uh, some guys come back strong, stronger than ever from torn ACLs, and some guys don't. So we'll just have to wait and see. So let's uh, let let's shout out one more guy that didn't even come up in conversation. Tyree Rogers is coming back and playing. No, he's another. not. He's not. He's in the transfer portal. Then we need to change our uh, uh, roster projection because it says he's coming back for twenty twenty one. Oh, we haven't taken him off yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, how about that? this? Let's end with one new. So there's a section on. By the way, again, I'm on the defensive backs. I'm going right off of Chris's article here on TechSideline.com. The new players. We brought up Stroman. I'll end it with this before we go to special teams. Uh, Jalen Hoyle, <laughs> yeah. I love this, by the way, we have our sheet right here, unknown, either safety or nickelback. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hoyle, six foot, 183-pound freshman. Chris, what do we know about him? What do we like about Jalen Hoyle? He probably reminds me physically of Chuck Clark. Um, I could see him playing just about anywhere, although either whip, free safety, or over would be best. I just don't know which one of those spots he, he – uh, He's playing right now. Uh, he'll, he'll probably they'll probably try him at various spots throughout his career. Um, especially they probably tried him at various spots this past spring. Um, he's a guy who kind of played like a nickel role in in high school and w was just a really good defender up around the line of scrimmage. Really good tackler. Looks bigger than his listed one eighty three. He's a true freshman. You got to remember that these heights and weights for true freshmen like they could be from a recruiting camp when they were juniors from when they were from 2019 right right so and it's been almost four of their junior year right right so jalen hoyle could be 195 by now right. um so you you know ignore that um but i think he's got a good frame uh like i said physically similar to chuck clark um i like all of the, all of these incoming defensive backs i, I could see when I just look at them, I, I see that they all have potential, but the problem is there's so many of them in one class. Right. Yeah, so. Right, right. So there will be attrition from this group within the next couple of years as the better players rise up the depth chart. And you got you got four more guys coming in in the summer, Elijah Howard, DJ Harvey, and the McDonald twins. DJ Harvey, I love that guy as a football yeah. player. Did you watch man. the highlight video of him this past weekend on Twitter? I've been asked that. Oh, this did past you weekend? Did you see DJ Harvey First of all, did you see no. he had the Hokies um, – well, I saw I saw his dad's uh, uh, hoodie. Yeah, his dad's hoodie was just awesome. It's just a it's just the hokey bird's face. It's hard it's hard hard to explain, right. but it was a really awesome hoodie. That's awesome. All right, uh, quickly, I want to transition because we did say we're going to talk about linebackers, DBs, and we've got to talk some special teams, which is going to look different. This is going to be quick from years <laughs> past. So, uh, as we go to Chris Coleman's article from April fourteenth. 
Um, Will, I, I do feel like the number one question a lot of people have, yes, there's going to be a new punter. Yes, there's going to be a new kicker. I think everybody wants to know this. Can Tavion Robinson get back to 2019 Tavion Robinson as a punt returner? You I know, hope it, so. It was interesting. I was, I was reading that last night, and he was really good in 2019. Was it? Was it? 14, 14 yards, yards of return and then last year 2.1 yards per in, in 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 ball security issues but but the impressive thing about the 14 yards the year before isn't that he ripped off one long return and it affected his average his longest return was 30 or 35 yards he was consistent. very consistent yeah you know? it's like and, almost every every return if there at the end of the year was going to be a good return. Yeah, you know, and because and, he took over the job later in the season. But right? yeah, midway. He later. took over for Hezekiah Grimsley, That's right? correct. Because yeah. well, Grimsley was having ball security issues. Didn't Grimsley drop one against Georgia Tech? And, was it Georgia Tech? Was it ODU too? He did one. He had a couple of just um, – I just remember – I remember Tech had a really painful one against – Virginia Tech had a really painful one against Georgia Tech, and I, I think it may have been Grimsley. Well, but uh, well, so when you look this, at – This past year, if you recall – he dropped a punt inside the 10 against Duke, which they recovered for a Are we talking about Robinson now? Robinson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a big play. That was a big play. And Tech had the momentum in that game. And then that – and Duke was not doing anything offensively yeah. at that point in the game. And they just gave him a free seven points, and then they got back into it. Tech did win that game, but I think he dropped one more later in the year that actually cost Tech a game. Uh, did he fumble one against Liberty? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, or Miami? Are you talking about uh, Tavion Robinson. Robinson? Yeah, absolutely. Remember, he dropped one inside the 10. Was it against he, Liberty? I think it was against Liberty, and then they scored, and they went up maybe 28-24, I want to say, in the fourth okay, quarter. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, now, uh, now, see, if Malcolm really was the best producer in the land, he'd be looking that up right now. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> see, see that's, that's the difference sometimes. Like, if he doesn't fumble that ball, we, we beat Liberty, right? So sometimes – Sometimes the difference between getting fired and not getting fired or, or a fan base wanting you to get fired and not wanting you to get fired can come down to that punt returner who averaged almost 15 yards of return inexplicably the next year drops to 2.1 yards per return and can't even field a punt, much less return one. Like, it's, it, it was an amazing... Well, so turnaround, I guess you could the, call the it. two painful losses last year were Wake Forest and Liberty. Mm-hmm. And the Wake Forest game to me, uh, he fumbled upon that one. Well, it's it's not just that; it's that I Lots thought I, I don't want to use the word dominated, but Wake controlled that game, and yet it was still a, a narrow loss for Virginia Tech. You go to the Liberty game; that that had to have been Tech's worst defensive game of the year, special oh, teams yeah. game of the year. You know, so much went wrong, and it wound up just being a three-point loss. Remember that guy had four interceptions for Wake Forest, or like two or three, or he was the player of the week. It was a former walk-on that had. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that safety that yeah that Hooker kept. I think he had two or three picks. It was like three. Return. Was it three? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick Thorpe, maybe his name was. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't even know. You'll uh, never hear from him again. Well, <laughs> it's like that quarterback for ODU that torched Virginia Tech, and he quit football the next year. Well, no, that was the, the Cincinnati quarterback who who uh, Munchie Munchie who uh, beat Tech at the end of the game on that deep bomb and then the next year got benched <laughs> uh, and then there are guys like Aaron Rodgers who go on to great NFL careers and you're like well no wonder we lost that game so options for uh, kickoff return as well it looks like Kishon King who had moments in 2019 Jalen Holston or Raheem Blackshear mm-hmm. um, so those are and, and maybe James Mitchell who showed late in the year hey no no no, 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 no. don't put James Mitchell out there Do I, would throw, I would throw Payute's name out there too 
So if you look at the depth chart, you'll see there's one person who kind of gets to relax a little bit right now. Doesn't have to worry about any behind anybody behind him. And that is the one and only punter. Peter Moore. Peter Moore, a six foot one hundred and ninety-six pound freshman, is the only punter listed on the spring roster Te- for Virginia Tech. Technically. And he did punt against UVA this past year when Bradburn was hurt. Not a very Not inspiring performance, I would say, but it's just small sample size. But John Parker Romo was listed as a kicker, but he actually punted against Notre Dame the year before and had a great game. Yeah. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that John Parker Romo is your kickoff guy, your kicker, and your punter this year. It's possible. He averaged 44.25 yards on eight attempts. Right, right. It was not a small sample size. All Tech did that game was punt. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a... (laughs) And and return a fumble for a touchdown. (laughs) Right. So... uh, yeah, I thought he had a great game that day, and if, if he didn't. Get, he wasn't even practicing at the position for most of the week. It wasn't until like Thursday or Friday when they, when <laughs> Oscar Bradburn got hurt, and they figured out he couldn't play. That's pretty. And impressive. there were windy conditions up there. Yeah. It's hard to punt at Notre Dame. So there's a so there's a, just a lot of unknowns there, man. But let's go to kicker because we we've got uh, there are options. Oh, yeah? At kicker, according to your article, at least there's a lot of there's a lot kickers of kickers on roster. There's let's, a lot of let's names go to, on So the Brian roster. Johnson graduates and i want to say as you put it you're trying to replace somebody who was 19 of 23 as a junior and 20 of 26 as a senior Mm -hmm. in brian johnson so i think john parker romo transfers in from um tulsa two of five versus crown field goal attempts all tulsa as a freshman yes is is he the leader in the clubhouse would you say to, to be the starting kicker well i mean he's actually stepped on a college football field before Unlike most of the other guys, so I guess that kind of default makes him. Uh, the, 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 they do have a transfer, Zach Hoban. Yeah, who was who has kicked off for Rice. For Rice um, has not the, attempted a field goal at the college level. Right, right. Um, so I, I expect that competition is ongoing. How about William Ross? Will uh, he's the he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, but he's been at three schools. Began his career at Coastal, transferred to South Carolina. Now he's at Tech. He's like the Stewarts. You he's got a, one, he, uh, one kid at South Carolina, well, one at Virginia Tech. You know what I know about him is that he and I have the same first name. I mean, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge about him. Oh, man. Or Mark uh, Applegate. So it's a sign of the times that he's a redshirt freshman. He'll, he's been to three different schools. Three different schools, right? Yeah. yeah no, no, he's been in the portal twice, and then last year doesn't count due to COVID. Right. Yeah. Um. But and so he's yet to appear in a college game as the well. Well traveled uh, William Ross and Mark Applegate uh, from Oakton High School in Fairfax yet to play in a college game, but he's a redshirt freshman. And then Kyle Lau, um, who kicked for Cosby High School, shout out the 804 in Midlothian. Mm-hmm. So there you go, Lau, Applegate, Ross, Hoban, and Parker Romo. Somebody's gonna step up. There you Pull go. Up a five-sided coin, buddy. Uh, and I'll I'll leave you all with One an interesting Dungeons note. Dungeons and Dragon dice. Yeah. Before we transition to basketball quickly, um, opposing kickers, please miss a few here and there, according to Chris Coleman. This is incredible. Everybody, sit up and pay attention. As, as it turned out the stats were wrong. How far off, though? Not too far off, but one stats page on Hokie Sports had different stats than the other stats page. Okay. So come on, Damien. He, he so <laughs> don't. So Evan will read it, and you you correct it or talk about the difference. I, I did go back and correct it in the article. Oh, okay. So, right. so Evan is going to read so the correct numbers. Virginia Tech ranked 127th in opponent 
field goal efficiency this past <laughs> season, which means that opponents pretty much never missed against the Hokies, as I'm reading word for word what Chris said. To put it in plain English, opposing kickers were 13 of 14 against Tech in 2020. That includes a perfect mark, four for four, beyond 50 yards, and a perfect six of six mark from anything by beyond 40 yards. And yes, 127th ranking was dead last. I mean, at some point you expect there to be a miss. I mean, it's nothing so, Virginia so, Tech I mean, can I do mean, about that, that. I mean, I mean, 100% from 50 yards, it's like you're you're going against Adam Vinatieri every week, man. Yeah, it's Chris told ridiculous. me that stat. He told me that stat as he was writing it up, and I said, that reminds me of the time that Virginia Tech, like, either won or lost something like 10 coin flips in a row at the beginning of football games. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, when they played the uh, Steelers in the 09 or 10 Super Bowl, they had won a coin toss every single game. Wow. The, the, I think the, the only field goal that opponents missed last year, Tech blocked. Oh, was it UVA? I don't remember. I think that's what somebody on the board said. I don't, I don't, I don't recall, but, uh, you know, we, we will not speak of that Liberty field goal. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's transition to basketball real quick because we're, <laughs> we're done with position previews real quick. I do want to mention before we get to the questions, uh, Virginia Tech basketball coach Mike Young signed Jalen Hayes. Haynes is a three-star power forward, class of 2021 from Mount Verde Academy. He is six foot eight, 215 pounds, had a list of offers from Mississippi State, Central Florida, South Florida, VCU, and others. Originally a 2020 prospect before reclassifying to the 2021 class. Will, your thoughts on Haynes? So I just read up on him so I can spout some stuff. At 6'8", he is not a 3'4", he's a 4'5". Right. Uh, yeah. And and Rivals actually uh, – it's the same thing for basketball players. No camps, so how big yeah. are they actually? Rivals actually list them at 6'9", 230 mm. instead of 6'8", 215. And so, that, so that's encouraging. And uh, one of the things I like about he, – he's coming into kind of a log-jammed position – but everything's he's, a long he's, job. He's already yeah. a kid who has shown patience by reclassifying, not backwards, but forward and taking an extra year to play basketball. He went from 2020 to 2021. So he, sh- he he's shown the ability to display patience if it's best for his career. And so our guy GC Hokey said that he is a kid who can still improve quite a bit just by practicing. He's not a guy who necessarily at this point in his career has to be on the floor to get better. So maybe he's open to redshirting. So always be redshirting. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, but that that's the lowdown. There you go. That's the newest member of the Virginia Tech men's basketball program. Still one open scholarship, I believe. I there you so. go. Um, so And he can play center if needed. Again, and that write-up on Jalen Haynes is available on techsideline.com. Again, it's a great time to be part of the Tech Sideline family. You just listened to all of this talk today about position previews, and we have a lot more written content about all of this and more. You can go to techsideline.com. Will, $84.99's annual price, $849 is the monthly price, and $29.99 is the student price, my favorite. Great deal for – there's a lot of students who listen to the podcast. And, uh, yeah, so um, I, it's a great time to come part of the. I mean, come on, it's a student price, thirty bucks a month for all the great content. Then, that we uh, have. thirty bucks a year. A year, sorry, <laughs> big difference. Yeah. If you want to pay us thirty bucks a month, you can. <laughs> <No> call, <laughs> call me, right? I'll hook you up. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, well, let's get to some questions here on episode one hundred seventy-six of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Real quick, twenty-six likes. You think we can get to 
maybe 40. I think last week I might have been 100 overall. Uh, I don't know when that happened, but we should be able to get to 40 or 50. All by right. the if end you're watching right now, get us up to, uh, let's see if we can end the podcast live at all 40. Let's say right. I challenge Maybe. all. Thank you, Tiki Kelly. Hit the like button if you were watching. Commented that 10 minutes ago. Thank you. I think that the... Um uh, I think the likes carry over to the archived video. Yes. Whereas the comments don't, but I think the likes do. All right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and get to some questions. Um, question from Van Sean Colston. Is Devin Hunter allowed to play this year? I doubt it. I wouldn't think so. Um, has uh, it, has, his, has uh, it, everything I been... don't think his, his next court appearance isn't until like August or something like that, I, I think. I remember that the discussion coming up during, during the Tyrese Radford stuff. Yeah. That Devin Hunter's dragging out till August of 2021, whereas Tyrese was. Yeah. So I, I, I don't see it. I think I think the Devin Hunter ship has sailed. I think that's over. Yeah. Um, At Virginia Tech. Let's see. Chris, who will take over the punting and kickoff duties this year? No, just well, we just that. talked about Peter Moore and, and the kickoff duties. I would assume would continue to be John. I, I would Romo. assume Parker Romo will still be the kickoff guy, unless he winds up being the field goal guy and the punt guy. And and they don't want they, they don't want his leg to fall off right. midway through the season. Yeah, um, that was from David Hackberth. I think that's the first time, David. Uh, first time question. Thanks so much for chiming in, um, Anders. Wow, I think this is a perfect question for me. Do you think the New York Jets will pick Caleb Farley or Christian Darisol with the 23rd pick in the <laughs> NFL draft? Wow. A Jets question on the Tech Sideline podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's a better question for that's, you because uh, I don't know anything about their needs except probably well, everything. Far- Farley might yeah. last that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think Farley I, I think Farley will be there. Unfortunately, what I'm hearing on the net, or not hearing, what's Reading. being talked about on the national level is that Farley's draft stock is declining because of the new injury. He might and drop to the Packers at 29 is what they say. I, I think, I think Farley will not go. I think the earliest he would go is early twenties at this. And I think there's an outside chance that he might drop to be an early second round pick, not because of talent, but because of, uh, of injury. Now I've been noticing they had him on good morning football last week, which is like a very NFL networks, morning show and right. you can tell that uh, he's trying to she's trying to change that narrative change that narrative yeah. very quickly yeah, and there's sure. that video of him running the 428 so he's trying to show that he's healthy <laughs> however he went from a guy who i thought might be a mid because again as a jets fan anders as you know that's all we do we live for the draft so this is all that i get to look forward to um <laughs> looked like a guy who's going to be maybe a high teens mm. guy and now sliding so I personally think that if Darisol's there, they would take him in a heartbeat and put him alongside a Becton left and right tackle. If not, Mackay, Mackay, oh, that's one of the Jets. Uh, he was a great rookie this past year for the Jets at left tackle, uh, like six what, what seven, three hundred sixty-five pounds. So that's just a huge recruiting mess. Well, He's from Highland Springs. I'm not even going to criticize because I didn't think he was any good. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I think uh, the Jets need to help in every position, honestly. So they could use Farley, or they could use a, uh, a Christian Darisol. So appreciate the question, Anders. Uh, Jen- and, and I have not read about the Dolphins to see what they're looking for, but they they have this magic draft pick factory where they just keep a trading bunch. for more and more. They have picks. the number six pick, and honestly, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, if they elect to trade down to get even more picks. If a team's trying, to, like the Broncos at eight, trying to move up to take another quarterback. So there, there might there's a chance there's gonna be four quarterbacks in the top ten this year. So Where, where's Fitzmagic now? He now with the Washington football team. Oh he's man, he's now the starter. Of, he's so fun. He is fun. He's got the big. He was at the uh, the Masters last week. So, all right, let's go to um, Luke Hamley. If Fares comes back, he will be here. 
trying to under, uh, Evan, Evan Fares. Fares? Uh, he's already in the portal. He's right? in the portal, yeah. but I don't yeah. know that he has uh, committed anywhere. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm just gra- grabbing my phone. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think Fares is a really good blocker. I'd like to have him back from that standpoint, but I, I don't think he adds much from pass catching perspective so to speak uh ronnie adams lots of questions on the message boards regarding qb1 not being in your poll was there a reason or just overlooked yeah just overlooked uh my poll on friday during the q a was who's your favorite player on the team and i guess i put about 15 options in there and then other and i left out burmeister by oversight uh but I, i was in a hurry friday like i needed to leave town by around noon to get to stewart virginia and I texted Will and I told him the the Q and A is done, and I I meant to also include in that text, also look over my poll to see if I didn't leave anybody out, and then I forgot to include that in a text. So it was all the oversight stems from writing it very quickly, putting the poll together very quickly because I needed to get out of town in a hurry. So and a little bit further look behind the scenes. Meanwhile, I've got a PPP round two crap storm going on where. The bank keeps moving the goalposts, as as Hokie and Baltimore so accurately put it, and and I'm going round and round and round with the bank to try to get PPP round two. So that that's where my brain is. So I'm just looking for egregious misspellings and grammatical errors. <laughs> I, I literally don't have the time to look over a poll and try to figure out. Also, I'm one of those people that I'm not good at seeing what's not there. If that makes sense, yeah. right? <clears throat> All right, um, Shay Francisco. Um, love that name, by the way. We were talking about during the break to have a last name, Francisco. I think that's really fun. Your early predictions for wins and losses this fall. We're not going to answer this today because we're done with position previews, but we're not done previewing the upcoming season. So, Shay, I'm going to table that. First of all, we don't even know everybody that's going to be on the team yet. Not just for Virginia Tech, but for everybody else. This transfer portal these days, I mean, you don't know when you're going to add a key player. I mean, Virginia Tech is still going to take an offensive lineman most likely this summer, and that could that could change my view to a certain extent, you know. Uh, so uh, these days, even I think pre you remember you used to go to the store back in the day in June or July and buy all the preseason magazines. Well, you know, I think I think the whole preseason magazines and your early top twenty-five at the end of spring practice. I, I think that's all antiquated. Mm-hmm. It's difficult because uh, you're still I'm, adding players at the beginning of August these days. So, so yeah, so Chris, along those lines, Chris Colston, who used to do the uh, uh, did the Hokie Huddler many years ago, there were a few years there where he did something called a, a Hokie Yearbook about Virginia Tech football. He was publishing it, you know, kind of on his own, and he got frustrated because yeah, you got to go to to press and print something, and then games get moved, players go into the portal, and. Yeah. By the time it's in the consumer's hands, a lot of it's outdated. Right. Uh, Brian Woodward quickly asks, is there a transfer portal deadline to add somebody? No. I think the portal's open all the time. Yeah. It's like a uh, now the, the, diner. There are times where it's more active than others. Like as soon as spring practice is over, or, or like from now until graduation, it, all schools, we're going to hear more names entering the portal because – you know, guys, either they already knew they were going to be in it and they were just staying at their school and keeping their scholarship to graduate or whatever, I don't know. Or at the conclusion of spring practice, they sit down with their coaches, figure out where they are on the depth chart, whether they're going to play or not. Then they're going to hit the portal. Uh, and then the other time, of course, is at the end of the regular season. So there's really two big portal times. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh. And not just the end of the regular season, but right after second semester starts right. and you get your scholarship locked in and you hit the portal. Right. And last year was unique because, yeah, uh, FCS said they weren't going to play. And so a bunch of FCS players hit the portal. And that was late. That right. was in the summer. That's right. unusual. Yeah. All right. That was like in August, man. Yes. Was, yeah. yeah. This is a question. I feel like that's just uh, one of those that we could spend a lot of time on. I'm looking for just a quick Quick answer here from TK Kelly. Is this a critical year for Coach Fuente to show results, or does he have another year or two? I think it's a critical year. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, w w when you call a press conference to tell everyone that you're not firing, not your, firing coach, your coach, that kind of tells you that, well, they were thinking about firing the coach, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I definitely think it's a critical year. Okay, and we'll close the podcast today with who we closed the podcast with last week, who's chiming in. We almost might need to make this a, a weekly segment if he's chiming in. It's the great Jeff Holland. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Jeff says, I can confirm that J.C. Price, in all caps, never practiced during the spring <laughs> during his entire career. Thanks, J.C., for the many 80 to 90 play scrimmages. LOL, in all caps, <laughs> with an exclamation point. <laughs> We talked about we fighting go. players in practice last week. We've got J.C. Price not practicing during the spring. Jeff, if you want to comment every show with just a story, a nugget, we will close gladly close every podcast with you in a story about tech football. So how about yeah, that? Yeah, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure despite all that, he and J.C. are still friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it is it is really unique to see as somebody who likes to go down to, to, go to different uh, restaurants in Blacksburg. You, know, you see – I've seen Coach Price at uh, he's taking pictures at McAdoo's. I've seen him at PKs before. I mean, he there's no his doubt old he's stomping in, grounds basically. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. enjoying being back. There's no question. Um, so, all right, well, we are right at 90 minutes, so that'll wrap things up here. Episode 176 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Chris Coleman, uh, what is coming up this week? Honestly, I have no clue. There you go. Well, so <laughs> what's coming up is you're going to get a uh, oh right, you know it. it we are told that you're going to get a press conference tomorrow, a, a big a big release about stuff. And people keep, keep asking me what stuff, and, and I, I don't rightly know. Uh, I know it's um, – we'll just we'll, – I know there are a bunch of things in the hopper with the athletic department, big things, and I don't know how they're going to package certain things and do certain things and announce certain things. But uh, uh, as of the latest we hear, keep your eyes and ears peeled for some uh, some news coming out tomorrow. Tuesday, uh, April 20th. 20th? Tuesday, 20th. April 20th. Yep. Be sure to sub subscribe to TSL. $84.99 is the annual price. $849 is the monthly price. $29.99 the student price. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. I want to thank everybody who left a comment, who liked, who, or who joined us live today. And for those listening archive, we are glad that you did so. Be sure to follow Tech Sideline on Twitter. We're at Tech Sideline. Will's on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. And we hope you can join us next Monday as uh, we continue to preview the 2021 season for Virginia Tech football. Uh, Virginia Tech baseball still in the top 25. Virginia Tech softball with another series win. They've won seven straight ACC series. Uh, we'll continue to talk about them next week, but a jam-packed football show today, and we hope you enjoyed it. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts? 
None whatsoever. Let's get to work. All right. Let's wrap things up uh, for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 176 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Have a great week, Hokies, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Yeah.